You're not in this story. Yeah, well, we're making it up as we go. Welcome to Making It Up As We Go, a Destiel fan fiction anthology podcast. We're making it up as we go. I'm your host and reader, Nerdy Nerdenstein, but you can call me Katie. The story is ours now. You can't have it back. Please be warned that this podcast can and will depict explicit sexual content and is not intended for young audiences. Hello and welcome. Today I'll be reading Love Bites by Mal Muses, chapters 3 and 4. The pertinent tags for today's fic are alternate universe modern setting, creature fic, two-person love triangle, vampire Dean Winchester, barista Castiel, mechanic Dean Winchester, virgin Castiel, anxious Castiel, confident Dean Winchester, openly bisexual Dean Winchester, unrequited Castiel slash Hannah, terrible parenting, men of letters drama, First time, first dates. Please don't feed real bats cheeseburgers. Emotional hurt comfort. Strangers to bats to lovers. If you are able, please go to the author's AO3 story and give comments and kudos to them for sharing this with us. The link is in the show notes. This will also be posted on AO3 as a podfic under my username, and the link will be in the show notes as well. Chapter 3 Cast. Hannah yelled through to the kitchen. Your brother's here to see you. Elbow deep in suds, Cass froze. The churning in his stomach was half panic and half hatred. Which one? Gabriel, Hannah said, sticking her head through the swing door. Do you really think I'd have mentioned any of the others? I'd have just told them you weren't here. Come on, I'll send Alfie to finish up and you can get off early. Cass let out a slow sigh of relief, reaching for a rag to dry his arms. Somehow, he never seemed to be able to do his job without soaking himself from shoulder to knee. Thanks, Han. I'll be right out. Just keep him away from the front of the restaurant. He always causes problems teasing the patrons who think they recognize him but can't remember where from. Smirking, Cass recalled the time Gabriel had stopped by and bluntly told a middle-aged woman that the reason her husband couldn't stop staring was that he'd probably been watching Gabriel suck dicks the night before. Gabriel, it turned out, had come to Heavenly Bodies to whine at Cass about Michael's wedding. Their older brother wasn't the worst member of their family, but as Gabriel had once said, 
when rabid rats are fleeing a sinking ship, you hardly stop to count the fleas. Every family had a black sheep or two, but Cass and Gabriel were quite happy to be woolly rebels, given what normal was for Novaks. You've got to come, Cass. If you aren't there for Mom to focus on, I'll be the biggest loser in the room. That means she'll have to start paying attention to me. All right, so perhaps Gabriel wasn't always that great either. Castiel raised an eyebrow pointedly as he strolled out of the cafe alongside his much shorter, albeit older, brother. Well, I'm sick of her paying attention to me, Gabe. We're the only two that didn't go into the family business, and she hates it, you know that. Maybe it's your turn. Come on, Cass. You're the only one in the family doing worse than me. Gabriel, Cass glared. Now you're just being rude. Well, I'm married and at least earn enough to pay my bills. Gabriel defended himself, his tone and demeanor sulky in every way. You can't say either of those things. Happy by myself and I don't fuck strangers for a living. Cass countered. I could say those things instead. There's nothing wrong with what I do, Gabriel bristled, pulling up his scarf as they made their way up the street to where he had parked. Cass sighed. You know I agree, Gabriel. I'm happy that you're successful and you love what you do. But you know Mom isn't. They fell into a resigned silence for a couple hundred yards, progressing across the parking lot at the end of the street before Gabriel spoke again. What if I fix you up with someone from work again? What, like that April girl? She asked how much I made a year before our appetizer arrived. No, thank you. Mick liked you? The guy you met at my birthday. I couldn't even speak to him, Gabriel. He thought I was weird. You are weird. Escort service? No, Cass snapped. They've made great advances in robotics. Would you stop? Cass turned to look at his older brother. I don't want to turn up to another family event alone, Gabe. But I don't want to go with someone who doesn't want to be there either. We all know Michael doesn't care one way or another if I go. So how about someone in this family for a change has enough respect for me to let me do things my way? Gabriel fell quiet for a moment, just looking at Cass before he began digging around in his pocket for his car keys, opening the door of his cherry red Mazda before he said anything. I'm sorry, Cass. I know we don't always get along. I guess we just don't understand each other. But I'm not Mom, okay? I want you to be happy. I was just being a bitch about having to deal with Michael's nasty ass and stand up to her on my own. I know you were. Cass grumbled. Let me give you a ride home. Gabriel gestured to the passenger door. At least we can catch up for a few minutes. Fine. Not that there's much to catch up on in my life, except an injured bat, Cass thought. Cass nodded and walked around to the other side of the car. Gabriel drove him up the wall, but he was ten times better than any of his other brothers. The older ones were vicious, nasty pieces of work, something their mother often seemed proud of rather than ashamed by. And since childhood, Cass and Gabe had only had each other, 
despite their wildly different personalities. The fact that the two of them had rejected the family legacy and done their own thing at least gave them one small thing in common. They kept to safe topics, and Cass was glad of the ride home. He persuaded Gabriel to swing through the local burger joint's drive through pointedly ignoring Gabriel's raised eyebrows both at his food choices and the amount he ordered. By the time Cash shuffled back through the door of his apartment, he was well and truly done with the entire day. Miggles squeezed their way through the door at his ankles, getting in the way as best they could. Wingchester, Cass called out before shaking his head at himself, amused. Like a bat is going to answer. A happy squeak came from the living room. Despite his exhaustion, Cass found himself grinning. Hey, little buddy. Cass gave Miggles a good fussing and petting before heading over to the couch where the bat rested on a pillow. He blinked his huge green eyes slowly as if he was waking up from a nap. Guess what? Cass said, lowering himself to the couch. I brought you another cheeseburger as you tore through my lunch so fast. The bat seemed to perk up immediately, scrabbling across the couch toward him as fast as his jutting wing would allow him. Cass unwrapped the burger, chuckling, and placed it down on the worn-out seat of his old battered couch. He was fairly certain that bats should not be eating bacon doubles but the mealworms had clearly not been a hit, and the creature homed in on the junk food like it knew exactly what it was going for. It was a strange little thing, but Cass was already growing pretty fond of him. I guess you're going to stay here with me until you're better, huh? He said, reaching out to stroke a finger down between the bat's wings. Sorry you can't fly, little guy. I'm sure you're eager to get out of here and flap away to wherever home is. But if I let you out with a wing like that, you probably aren't going to last very long. The bat watched him, ears twitching. Here's hoping no one tries to commit me to an institution for chatting to you as if you can understand me. Cass smirked and reached overhead in a long stretch. A little TV and then bed for me. Want to watch a movie? Snout buried between two burger patties, the bat barely looked up, but it did let out a pleased little peeping sound. Cass flicked on the TV, browsing through what was on before settling on an old sci-fi movie. He fell asleep on the couch not long after, his head on the arm and his bat curled sleepily on his chest. Every day, Dean grew more and more concerned about Sam. Worrying about Sam worrying about him. Each morning, when Cass shut Miggles in the bedroom so that demon cat wouldn't snack on him and then left for work, he tried to transform back to himself. The pain was unbearable, and for almost two weeks, he was nowhere close. Eventually, though, the bones of his wing began to knit back together, 
and he knew that within a day or two he'd be able to hold weight and fly home to his brother. Shamefully, he realized that a scarily big part of him didn't want to. Of course, he wanted Sam to know he was okay. He must be going out of his mind, thinking Dean was a whiskey corpse in some ditch or captured by a hunter or men of letters type. But despite being a bat, he'd grown very close to Cass over the last couple of weeks. He didn't want to leave him. The guy needed someone, that much was clear. If he spent so much time with Dean, a bat, that could only offer the most basic of communication as a response, how lonely must he be when it was just him and the cat? It was clear that Cass had some fairly severe anxiety, which he took meds for but struggled with nonetheless. Dean was no expert, but he was sure that the guy's horrendous family situation had something to do with that. Sure, John Winchester hadn't been a stellar parent, but Dean couldn't recall ever doubting that his dad loved him and Sam, even if the ways he showed it were sometimes messed up. Cass, Dean knew from even a couple of weeks of interactions, doubted every day that anyone gave a shit about him at all. It made Dean angry. Cass talked to the girl Hannah on the phone almost every day, and Dean had wondered if maybe there was more between them than just a boss and an employee, but he was proved wrong during one of Cass's late-night whispering sessions on his pillow. He was embarrassed to admit it, but those had become the highlight of Dean's day. Too concerned that the cat would take a bite out of Wingchester while he slept, Cass took Dean to his bedroom every night. That led, on more than one occasion, to Dean having to avert his eyes very swiftly, despite that being, he would admit, the very last thing he wanted to do. The man was almost ungodly attractive. How he was single was absolutely beyond Dean. And obviously, knowing Dean is only a bat, he didn't have any qualms about stripping in front of him. But Dean did try his best to be respectful, as much as he'd like to peek. There had been a few awkward moments for Dean, when Cass had indulged in activities that, as a human, Dean would very much have liked to help him with. Instead, he settled into his box, turned his back, and thought about absolutely anything else. But damn, he sure had some spank-make material for when he was human again. Usually, though, after the awkward getting-into-bed part, there came the best part of his day. Cass would settle down under his sheets, roll onto his side, and quietly talk to him. By the third night, Dean decided that if they were going to chat, even in a one-sided way, he didn't want to stay in the box. Cass never sealed it, so he simply scrambled out of the top and onto Cass's pillow. The man had laughed at first and tucked him back inside, but after Dean scrambled out twice more, he got the message. After Cass clicked off his lamp each evening, Dean would settle down on the pillow next to him. He'd reach across and pet Dean in that gentle, patient way he had, and he would talk about his day. He talked like he had no one else to listen, and that broke Dean's heart in a shockingly unmanly way. 
Dean wasn't a cuddly person by nature. He'd object to the mere idea of something so feelingsy. But God, did he want to give Cass a hug the more he learned about him. Slowly, as the first week passed and then the second, Cass opened up. He talked about his family, the huge pressure he had on him to go into some unspecified family business that he never elaborated on. The fact that he believed he wasn't cut out for it, so he'd gone to college and studied math instead, wanting to be a simple accountant. How he couldn't get a job, never mind many friends or a partner, Dean noted the use of the gender-neutral term with quite some interest. But he was so socially awkward that he could sometimes barely speak around people he didn't know. Even so, Dean found that he didn't pity him. He wanted to talk to him, sure, tell him how he was worth more than he thought, be close to him. But he discovered that despite everything, Cass didn't waste a lot of time feeling sorry for himself. The dude was funny, unintentionally, hilariously funny, leading to curious looks thrown in Dean's direction when he was unable to stop the odd squeak of mirth escaping at something Cass had said. He was smart, incredibly so, and passionate about a lot of things. He liked old movies and yoga and loved to read and spent half an hour one Wednesday mournfully discussing the plight of bees. It was only when Dean tried to transform, early the following Tuesday once Cass had left for heavenly bodies, and found that he could manage it by gritting his teeth and hissing, that Dean's traitorous heart saw fit to announce that he had a full-fledged crush on the guy. Because there he was, able to transform, able to get out of Cass's hair, back home to Sam, and away from Miggles, who, Dean had to admit, he was kind of growing fond of when the fluffball wasn't trying to chew parts of him and discovered that he didn't want to. He didn't want to go and never see Cass again. Puttering around Cass's apartment in his birthday suit, Dean carefully rolled his shoulder and massaged it with one hand while he looked for the phone. It turned out that a broken wing translated into all kinds of soreness and pain when he was human though the gashes on his chest were healing well under Cass's constant, gentle care. How the hell is one dude so messy? Dean thought fondly, lifting abandoned junk mail and forgotten takeout bags to find the discarded but still charged handset. He dialed Sam from memory while flopping back on the couch. He then realized that he felt a bit weird having his naked junk touching another dude's couch without permission so he grabbed the soft, worn throw that Cass used to snuggle up in front of the TV and sat on it. Thinking of it, that wasn't much better, but he at least made an effort. Hello? Sam answered, sounding quite suspicious, which threw Dean for just a moment until he realized he was calling from an unknown number. Hey, Sammy, Dean said, relief flooding him and releasing some of the gnawing tension in his gut simply from hearing his brother's voice. Dean, where have you been? Are you okay? Sam's concern was palpable through the phone. I'm fine, I'm fine, Dean reassured. 
I'm really sorry, dude. I had to run in with a cat while I was out hunting. A cat? Yeah, a fluffy monster of a thing. Got me good. Broke my wing. Cut me up some. Jesus, Dean, what the hell? It's been over two weeks. Dean grimaced. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I got really lucky. The cat was a pet to this awesome guy who rescued me. Took me to the veterinarian. Treated me damn well, actually. Just couldn't transform back until today with the healing bones. So, you spent a couple of weeks living as someone's pet while I stressed out over you? Sam sounded amused rather than annoyed, much to Dean's relief. Yeah, sorry. I'd have flown home earlier, but I couldn't carry my own weight. Probably can now, though. So you're coming back now? Dean swallowed hard. Uh, yeah, I guess I am. Okay, why does it sound like you don't want to? Dean leaned back into the couch, rubbing his hand over his face. Damn Sam and his perceptive bullshit. I kind of feel bad about just running out on the guy. He's, well, I think he's got pretty used to having me around. I, aww, Sam's voice rose mockingly. That's cute. You think he'll be sad to lose his little bat buddy if you just disappear? Well, yeah, Dean frowned. He's a person with feelings, Sam. Christ. Sam laughed. Oh my God, Dean. I can't believe you just said that to me. Are you sure the cat only busted a wing? Did it hit your head, too? Asshole, Dean muttered. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. Sam tried again. I'm not trying to be a dick. If you really don't want to upset the dude, then... I guess just spend a day or two showing your healing and shit. And then he can get used to the idea of releasing you back into the wild or whatever. Yeah, that's a good idea. Dean latched onto the suggestion immediately. Now that you know I'm okay and stuff, I guess I could take another day or two. All right, Sam said, and Dean could hear the amused lilt to his voice. So, tell me about this guy, who you took the time to tell me was awesome, even when you were talking about his cat trying to eat you. Damn you and your perceptive bullshit, Dean said, aloud this time. They spoke for another ten minutes or so. Sam listened intently while Dean told him about Cass and his time healing up. Sam didn't say much, mostly just reassuring him that the business was ticking along just fine without him. Mick and Benny were keeping everything running at the salvage yard. Rufus was more than capable of overseeing the garage and the only classic car Dean had to work on for the next few weeks was one of Mr. Crowley's old Bentleys, and no one liked that guy anyway. Dean had a feeling that Sam would have a lot more to say on the subject of Cass by the time he got home, but he let it go. For now, he'd focus on easing Cass into releasing him over the next couple of days, and perhaps, he admitted to himself quietly, spend some time thinking about how he could orchestrate a non-awkward meet-cute with the guy when he didn't have wings. Relationships weren't something Dean could do with ease. The whole, I'm a vampire, but don't worry, I won't eat you. I just fly around and drink animal blood, and I like my steak really rare. 
conversation wasn't ever going to be a winner, so his love life tended to end at one-night stands. But something was different about Cass. He hoped. Chapter 4 Heavenly Bodies was busy during the week. Before four o'clock, it functioned mostly as a coffee shop and purveyor of Hannah's excellent baking. And after that, it became a sit-down restaurant with one of the best reputations in town. They did a great trade during the day from people who were popping in and out of the astronomy museum, hence the name Heavenly Bodies. Even if, Gabriel joked frequently, it made the place sound like a strip club. Cass was fairly sure it only sounded like a strip club to Gabriel, and that everyone else made the connection straight away, given the proliferation of hand-painted stars and planets across the front windows. It was a lot quieter than usual, at least, when Hannah stuck her head into the kitchen. Cass, can you barista for a bit? Kevin had to run out. Is he okay? Cass asked frowning, reaching across from the bubbly sink to grab himself one of the rough, white restaurant service towels. Yes, his girlfriend needs a ride to her cello performance because her car broke down, so I told him he could go and stay and see her play. That was nice of you, Hannah, Cass said. Nice to Kevin, at least. Not to me. Now I have to serve people, damn it. He plastered his best customer service smile across his face and moved out through the double swing doors, relieved to see there was only one waiting customer as he slipped behind the counter. It was a beautiful, crisp, sunny day, and most likely people were attempting some early spring outdoor activities rather than wandering around the museum. He breathed in and out carefully, telling himself over and over that he could do this. No problem. He hated serving coffee, but really, he'd do whatever Hannah needed. He knew he was just grumpy. He'd been grumpy for two days, ever since he'd taken Wingchester to the park and watched him fly off into the sunset. Which, he was aware, was frankly ridiculous. He tried to explain to Hannah how much he'd bonded with the little thing, but she still shuddered at the mention of it, so he'd stopped talking about the bat and had thrown himself into work, as much as one could throw themselves into washing dishes, anyway. Vanilla latte, skim, a bored-looking college student said without even looking at him. Those were the kinds of customers that might bug some people, but they were just fine for Cass. He smiled to himself and turned, packing coffee into the espresso machine and looking around to see where Kevin had left his employee ID badge so that Cass would be able to open the register. He spotted it and threw the lanyard around his neck, as his was probably somewhere in the back tangled in his coat. He never needed to wear it, being in the kitchen almost all day. The latte dripped through the coffee maker quickly, and he ducked down into the refrigerator to get a new gallon of milk to froth. 
he heard footsteps approach the counter, so he quickly called up to the new customer while he tried to locate the right type of milk. Welcome to Heavenly Bodies. What can I get you? Well, came a deep voice that went straight to Cass's chest. I was hoping for a heavenly body, but I guess a black Americano will do just fine. Cass tried to straighten up too quickly and hit his head on the lip of the refrigerator. Yikes, the guy said, grimacing as Cass winced and turned to look at him. Sorry, was that me? Are you okay? Cass waved away the words with a hand. Black Americano coming up. He quickly finished off the latte and passed it over to the college student in her oversized varsity hoodie, who still hadn't so much as looked at him, and was relieved when she flounced away without waiting for change. This new guy, though, seemed a lot chattier. Kevin? He asked, frowning oddly, looking across the top of the counter and at the ID badge hanging around Cass's neck. Why are you wearing a badge that says Kevin? Cass blinked. Well, my name could be Kevin, he said, squinting at the sandy-haired stranger who, for some reason, appeared to be blushing a bit. Right, of course it could. How would I know you're not a Kevin? Very slowly, Cass reached up to his left to grab a paper cup. To go he said, almost hopefully, holding it up in front of the man. I think I'll stay, actually. Dang it, of course, Cass thought, nodding and switching it out for one of the cafe's heavy pottery mugs. They were all made by a local artist and covered in swirling stars. Are you, the Kevin? The deep voice came hopefully in Cass's direction again even though he'd turned his back to start running the Americano through the machine. I, uh, no, not Kevin, he asked awkwardly, clanking the mug into place against the metal backboard of the espresso maker. But your badge says Kevin. But I'm not. Right. Cass poured the hot water on top of the espresso and turned slowly, moving the mug over toward the counter. He set it down in front of the man. Well, I'm not a Kevin either. I'm Dean, he said with the kind of cocky grin that usually accompanied someone making fun of Cass for his awkwardness. Cass couldn't quite work out whether that was what was happening this time or not. Dean, he repeated, nodding. Taking his first good look at the guy, his eyes widened. You're the guy from the salvage yard, he said. You know, the one I named my bat after. The bat that's gone. Why the heck am I pining over a bat? I really need to. So if you're not Kevin, then who are you? Uh, Castiel blinked. What? Who was he? Oh, right. Cheeks bright red, he completely missed the card slot on the register as he stuttered out. Cass, I, I I'm Cass. My name, I mean. Dean looked uncomfortable. Cass felt uncomfortable. It was a bad time. It'll be 425. Cass squeaked after a minute. Dean dug around in the back pocket of his jeans, worn and covered with grease stains, Cass noticed, and pulled out a crisp $10 note. Keep the change. 
Cass frowned gently. No, no, that's too much. I can get some change. Hey. Suddenly, Dean's hand was very gently over the top of his on the counter. A calming gesture, and topped off with a warm, cautious smile. It's okay. Keep it. I'm sorry I made you uncomfortable. I didn't mean to. I just wanted to say hi. Cass felt his cheeks heating again as he looked up, settling his gaze fully on Dean's face for the first time. His eyes were green, so very, very green, just like, well, that was a crazy thing to think. No, it wasn't you, really, Cass blurted out. I'm always this awkward. Dean grinned at him over the top of the register. It's cute, he said, smiling openly before he turned and carried his mug away to a table in the back. Cass still had the ten-dollar bill in his hand, flushed and blinking, when the next college student barked their order in his direction. Dean returned the next day. Kevin was working out front, of course, and Cass would have missed Dean entirely if he hadn't had to go out and bust some tables, picking up the slack after the lunchtime rush. He was in a world of his own, seriously considering whether he should get another pet or let Gabriel set him up with one of the robots he mentioned. Hey, Cass, Dean said, his voice smooth and low as Cass passed his table. Cass jolted in surprise at being spoken to and fumbled the mug he was reaching for. With lightning-fast reflexes, Dean grabbed it a split second before it would have sloshed cold coffee all over the table. Oops, he said, grinning as he slid the mug very carefully back toward Cass. Well, at least I didn't make you hit your head this time. Cass nodded awkwardly and began to turn away, but it seemed like Dean wasn't done talking. Sorry for taking up your time, but you don't come across something so beautiful every day, Dean said, holding out his mug for Cass to take. Cass stared, then flushed bright red. The mug, of course, the mug. Uh, yes, he quickly stammered. They're made locally. There's a business card on the... Dean cut him off with a gentle chuckle as he rose, moving behind Cass to head toward the exit at the front of the restaurant. He leaned forward just a fraction, his voice low so that only Cass could hear him. I wasn't talking about the pottery. Cass dropped the mug again, and this time there was no saving it. The third day, Cass was prepared. He switched out with Kevin, to the kid's complete amazement, right before the time Dean had arrived the previous two days. He didn't have to wait long, suffering his way through serving two awkward cappuccino moms that just wanted to chat and three wordless suits who just wanted the highest amount of caffeine he could provide before Dean strolled through the door. How is it, Cass thought, that a man eternally covered in grease has the gall to look so damn good? It was really rather rude of him. Cass crossed his arms across his chest, watching Dean approach. Something in the man's face lit up as he noticed Cass watching him. Hey, Cass. Hello, Dean. Look at that, you didn't damage anything. Cass scowled. If you want to make fun of me, 
I'm aware that I'm rather an easy target. We have plenty of other staff that can assist you. Whoa, whoa. Dean held up both of his hands defensively. No, Cass, I was just teasing in a friendly way. I'm not going to make fun of you. I'd have thought it was pretty clear already that your awkwardness is kind of endearing. Endearing? Cass rolled the word around his tongue, fairly certain he'd never had it directed at him before. Dean nodded slowly, and Cass was surprised to see something nervous flick past his sharp green eyes before he parted his lips again. Do you, um, get off work anytime soon, Cass? Or, like, have a break or anything? The question took a very long minute to process in Castiel's mind. You... you want... you? Dean frowned, looking almost offended. Yes, me. No, no, I just meant... Cass sighed before giving up and shaking his head. Never mind. He lowered his gaze, reaching for one of the pretty hand-thrown mugs and holding it up in question. Yeah, the usual, Dean said quietly. When Cass turned back around with the coffee, he realized that Dean had a slightly sad, frustrated look on his face. Dredging up some bravery he didn't know he had, Cass pushed the mug across the glass counter to Dean. I can take a break in twenty minutes, he said very softly. Dean's face illuminated immediately. Yeah? Really? Cass nodded. Okay, twenty minutes. Dean agreed, tossing some cash before he marched triumphantly away with his black Americano. Twenty minutes, Cass thought. That should be plenty of time to call Kevin up here and fit in a quick panic attack in the bathroom. It had been a long day, but for a change, there was no way Dean could say it had been a bad day. He grabbed the junk mail from the Winchester front porch and sorted through it as he made his way up the hallway to the kitchen. Thoughtfully, he tucked a business card for a local florist into his back pocket before discarding the rest into the kitchen trash can. Hey, Sammy, he called cheerfully, inhaling deeply. Spaghetti? Awesome. Dean eased himself down to the kitchen table, his three-decade-old knees creaking almost as much as the chair legs. He'd spent two hours crawling under Mr. Crowley's Bentley that afternoon, slowly cataloging and replacing parts. Even so, he smiled as he leaned one shoulder against the cool kitchen wall. You're smiling too much, Sam observed instantly, placing a bowl of pasta in front of Dean with a suspicious squint. What's that about? I, um, had a date today. Well, kind of. It wasn't actually a date. We just had coffee during his break and talked. But, like, actually talked. And he didn't break anything. Sam looked baffled. Who? And why would he break anything? Dean looked up from the spaghetti, scowling at his brother. What do you mean, who? Cass, who else? Oh, my God. God, Dean, bat guy, you're still on this? Picking up his fork and stabbing it down into the noodles and sauce, 
He kept his eyes down as he twirled it, doing his best to try and make his brother understand. I know you think it's crazy, okay? I get that. How we met was kind of weird, not that he knows that. But Sam, he's... Dean paused, shoveling a huge orb of wriggling pasta into his mouth. Really great. He doesn't know it, and that's the worst thing. But I want to change that. He's got this really dry sense of humor, and he... And he's human, Sam interrupted sharply, his palm coming down on the table in an incredibly rare fit of temper. What the hell are you thinking, seriously? That you can just persuade this guy to like you and then, what, have some fairy tale life, Dean? Sam's voice was bitter and heavy, and Dean knew he was talking more about Jess than Dean in that moment. Jess had been the love of Sam's young life, human, but sweet and kind and open to the truth. And she'd been murdered for it, horrifically, by the same hunter family that had killed their father. You can't, Sam continued, angry. What's your plan? Just pretend to be human all the time? What happens the first time he wakes up in the night and the window is open and you're gone? Or you stumble back in naked and covered in blood, Dean? What then? Dean stared silently down at his food, watching a drip of sauce roll slowly down the length of a rogue spaghetti strand and onto the table. Sam's eyes flashed furiously. You know what happened to Jess. No humans. That was the only thing. The only freaking thing that Dad was ever right about. Just stop it, Dean. You can't do this to him or us. Dean twirled the spaghetti slowly around his fork. Slowly, Sam deflated with a long sigh. You're really hung up on this guy somehow, huh? Dean concentrated harder on not flicking sauce across his shirt. The grease stains were bad enough to wash out. He didn't need to add thick tomato-based ones to the problem. Yeah, he answered quietly. I thought maybe it'd be different if we met when I was human, and yeah, he was super awkward at first. I mean, still is. Once you dig in and get him talking... Dean shrugged. You just gotta keep at it. Dig for the treasure. Sam stared at him for a couple of seconds before he began laughing. You did not just call a guy you've had one not date with a treasure, Dean. Jesus. Dean frowned, his eyes fixed on Sam's hands, as he moved some salad onto his plate from the bowl he'd left in the middle of the table, probably hoping to tempt Dean to eat something green that wasn't directly in contact with a burger patty. It's different for him. He doesn't know me yet. But I know him, Sam. Yeah, I get that, Sam said, still sounding grumpy. Salad. He waved the tongs at Dean, the word not so much a question as a command. Dean glowered as he begrudgingly eased a single leaf onto the edge of his plate. I was thinking that maybe I could offer him a job. Sam dropped his fork and it clattered across the tabletop, landing pointed accusingly at Dean. What? Dean, seriously, what the hell is wrong with you? This is verging on stalkerish. Stop. Look, D 
Dean said, picking Sam's fork up from the table and handing it back to him. Even if he wants nothing to do with me, he's a good guy, Sam. And I feel like I kind of owe him, you know? Sam pursed his lips, looking like he wanted to argue that point as well, but found himself unable to. He's ridiculously smart, Dean continued. He just hasn't been able to get a job outside of Heavenly Bodies because his anxiety is too bad, so he just messes up all his interviews. But he can do the work, okay? And aren't you the one who keeps telling me I need to take on someone to handle the paperwork for the businesses? What was it you said the other week? That the IRS is going to flip shit if they see my filing? A bundle of parts receipts that you've accidentally washed in the back pocket of your jeans isn't filing, Dean. Sam said primly. So you think it's a good idea? No, Dean. Or no to Cass, anyway. You want a bookkeeper? Yes, please. God, hire one. But not him. The Winchester stare-down continued for a solid minute before Dean eventually dropped his eyes and sighed. All right he said quietly. You win, for now. I'm not stupid, Sam, and I know this is risky, okay, but... Dean reached up and smoothed his hands over his face, rubbing away his smile with them. You know what? He continued quietly. Never mind. Let's just eat. How was work? So anyone fun? Sam regarded Dean thoughtfully before he returned to his salad. Work was work. Adam called, though. He did? Yeah. Says he's got a lead on a big men of letters things that'll be happening soon. Some kind of event they're hosting. Something personal, where they'll have their guard down. He asked if you wanted in on it, but I told him no. Dean nodded slowly. Yeah. Keep our noses clean, right? Live in the world. That's what we said after Dad died, and that's what I'm sticking to. Adam was an old friend of sorts, their half-brother technically, a fellow monster as Dean thought of it, who lived a couple of towns over with his mom. His small family had fought alongside John Winchester for years before the men of letters had swept through Lebanon, where they lived at the time and driven them out. The men of letters were an old, rich hunter organization, Elitist dicks, Dean often thought, not always well-liked even within the hunting community, to his knowledge. But John had done something to piss them off, and they'd wanted retribution. Dean had never worked out what they wanted revenge for exactly, but his dad had an abrasive personality and strong views on almost everything, so him pissing people off had been a regular part of their lives. His ongoing feud with the men of letters, though, had been bloody. John Winchester wasn't the only one lost to it. Sam and Dean had tried their best to live as humans ever since, staying under the radar, but occasionally old friends would come calling, still out for vengeance. Dean shrugged it off. These days, he wanted a different kind of life. Sam drifted off into conversation chattering mildly about his current cases and his plans to visit the farmer's market in the morning. Dean half-answered, doing his best not to be a dick when he knew that Sam was just looking out for them. For him. Usually, Dean would have been right alongside Sam and his opinions about Cass. But 
Sam hasn't met him, Dean thought. He doesn't know, doesn't understand. Not that Dean knew for certain that Cass would want anything to do with him, should he ever learn the truth. All he knew for certain was that something in him was now powerless not to at least try. He wasn't sulking, wishing that Sam could have been more supportive, he told himself. He really wasn't. Once he'd cleared the dishes for Sam, Dean headed out of the kitchen. Sam would probably work at the kitchen table for a few hours before he hunted and slept. So Dean left him to it and began to head up the stairs to Bobby's old bedroom. Reaching into his back pocket, he pulled out the florist business card that had been tucked into the bundle of junk mail he'd sorted. Tapping it thoughtfully on his lip, Dean quickly saved the number in his phone before he shucked off his clothes and carefully rolled his healing but not perfect shoulder. With a run and a delighted screech, he flew free to hunt. (laughs) ¶¶ 